0: Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings, and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. We can, stronger, so we, can yeah, we can talk about it, yeah. talk about it. So we can talk about it. Talk about it, yeah. Let's, talk about it yeah. Let's talk about the recent case of Andrea Barrett. She was a twenty-three year old working in the court in Trinidad who on the 29th of January was returning home with a friend. The friend left a private hire taxi and Andrea never made it home. Six days after she had disappeared, her body was found over a precipice at Heights of Arepo. I remember when I first heard about the case of Andrea and I observed how a lot of people were truly affected by her case. Around the 29th of December, a young girl had also gone missing. She was 18 at the time. Her name was Ashanti. And around the 4th of January, her body had been found. And then it was almost like De where another young girl has gone missing after getting into a taxi and the body is found. A lot of discussion has been taken concerning Andrea, the disappearance there was talk of a ransom the consensus seems to be that she was kidnapped and a ransom was asked the ransom was of course not paid the police were involved and sadly Andrew's life was taken the autopsy that was done came back inconclusive however an individual decided to privately pay his heart had really gone out for Andrew's father Randolph and so an individual decided to pay for a private autopsy which revealed that they had been blunt force trauma and it seemed she had died from internal hemorrhage. According to one of the articles that I saw when she had been found deceased decomposition had set in and she was in her underwear. A sexual offenses kit and examination has been done but there's no information at present. When we consider Trinidad and Tobago and we consider the UK and the US the crime scene investigation team may be a little smaller Those who are working when it comes to autopsies may not have as extensive experience as a place such as the UK because in the UK we have deaths that are suspicious or mysterious on an incredibly frequent basis same as in the US In fact, I recall when I actually was in university, wanting to become a crime scene investigator, wanting to study on this particular area. However, it was not as fun as it would look to be, and it was nothing like CSI Vegas, the sitcom on TV. What we have to appreciate is that there's a lot that we do not know. And no matter how impatient we, the viewers, may be, those of us who are reading about this, who are watching on the television who are scrolling through Facebook to get more information, information concerning the deceased, information concerning the facts of how they died, the collecting of DNA evidence, saliva, hairs, all of that will be tested and all of that takes time. Even when funding is available, it is not an instant thing, it is not an immediate thing. We're all sitting impatiently wanting to know who were the killers or killers. Was she raped? Was she sexually assaulted? There are a lot of questions, and sometimes we never do get those answers. What I can say though is the nation of Trinidad and Tobago has been affected, no doubt about it. The funeral was on the 12th of the month, and I remember watching the video and seeing the parade, the car that had gone first, the police vehicle, a van or truck with music playing and it was a very emotional motorcade. As the news reporters said, there was not a dry eye and it was almost as though the crying was infectious, it was contagious. Everybody had on their masks but they were all very emotional. Andrea Barrett may not have been famous in life but she became famous in death and not fortunately for the right reasons, not because she had done fantastic artwork or she had created a new song or an instrumental or had designed something, whether that is food or an object. Unfortunately, she's not remembered because of something she had done, she's remembered because of her life being stolen and taken away from her. According to what I read, she grew up with her father, I believe her mother may have been deceased. So she's grown up with her father, she was the only child of Randolph Barrett and now he is childless and in a photograph I saw he was smiling. A picture of his daughter had been magnified and blown up and placed onto a vehicle. Unless we have had a child taken away from us, we can never understand what it is like. One thing I can say and I say this with of course caution is the father can now have closure. There are many girls and boys who have gone missing, never to be seen again. Their lives have been taken. Their lives have been stolen. They are deceased. However, because the body has never been recovered, the family are constantly waiting and hoping. Of course, we would all rather that Andrew survived. Absolutely. However, the closure, I feel will allow her father to be able to get the healing and to be able to continue on with his life. Of course, remembering his daughter. If his daughter had never been found, he will always be hoping, always be wondering. But at least now, the closure enables him to remember her, to remember her life, to be able to recognize the day that she was found every year for people to gather together. And to think positive thoughts. Because the truth is, if she had survived, there are so many possibilities of what could have continued to happen to her. She could have been trafficked. She could have been a sex slave. She could have been tortured. The fact of the matter is, we would want to hope that if she had survived, she would have been reunited with her father. But when a person is kidnapped, without fantastic police work, that person will never be found and can go through years and years of abuse, torture and exploitation. For those who are posting on Facebook, there are thousands of people, 146,000, people viewing the motorcade, viewing as the coffin was taken out of the vehicle and into the funeral parlor. People's lives have been touched And the community of Trinidad and Tobago have come together to recognize Andrea Barrett. However, what happens next? Support was there when she went missing. There were individuals like Ian Allen and others who had put forward money, a reward for the safe return of her for those people who were involved to be caught, arrested, and charged. There is a lot of conversation going around. There is a lot of discussion. And rather than me going into the discussion because we don't have the true facts, I'd rather focus on the future. We heard about one of the suspected murderers, one of the suspected kidnappers, kidnappers. We heard about him dying. Allegedly, he had fallen, hit his head and died. We heard about another alleged kidnapper, murderer, dying. There is a lot of stuff that we do not know. We all know about fake news, but beyond fake news, there is information we will receive That is not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Conspiracy theories will always circle. But until somebody has been convicted, arrested, charged, until those steps have taken place, the arrest, the conviction, the charge, until those have taken place, how can we say what really happened? And the reality is sometimes we will never get the full story. One thing that does concern me though is the other mothers, the other fathers, the other aunts, uncles, family members and friends of those girls and boys who went missing and were never found. For those girls and boys who went missing and were found, but did not receive such a send-off. I wonder what it is like for Ashanti's parents. In a place like Trinidad and Tobago, we have black people who consider themselves to be of African descent and we have Indian people who consider them people to be of East Indian origin so when you meet them they may have Indian features they do not consider themselves to be Indian but of Indian descent but their features are Indian and then we have those who are black who would consider themselves to be of African origin Ashanti was black of African origin And Andrea was of East Indian descent, so she had Indian features. There is a lot of discussion in Trinidad and Tobago in relation to discrimination. There is the belief, there is the feeling that a person who is of East Indian descent and origin receives more favor, special privileges. In fact, the the police commissioner, Gary Griffith, is of East Indian origin. The current prime minister, Prime Minister Rowley, is of African descent, he is black. However, many people will have discussions and conversations about how they view, how they deem the prejudice that exists there, how they feel that there are certain people of various ethnic origins who get special favors and privileges. However, we should truly see things for what they are. Discrimination exists in every corner of the world in different ways. It may be because of your gender, it may be because of your race, it may be because of your complexion or skin color. Discrimination does exist in many ways, shape and form. However, rather than being drawn into a conversational discussion about the ethnicity of the missing girls and missing boys, The focus should be on how best to protect missing girls and missing boys. How can we capitalize on the news? How can we best capitalize on the information that is being shared? How can we best capitalize on the fact that the safety of women is now in the forefront? I say all of this with incredible caution Let Andrea Barrett's death not be in vain. Let there be change in Trinidad and Tobago. There was a song that came out a number of years ago called Take the Number, which encouraged women and girls to take down the license plate number whenever they got into a vehicle. For the last six years, I've spent time in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm not there currently, but I've spent time there sharing my message on human trafficking and child abuse prevention. The advice that I give, and this is advice that I'm now hearing, I'm hearing and seeing it on the internet, in newspaper articles, in television interviews, that when people get into private hire taxis, they should take down the license plate number and send that information to a friend or family member. That is advice I've been giving for years. That is what the song Take the Number is all about. That is the meaning behind that song. However, in conversation with somebody recently, I asked them the question, if you take the license plate number of a vehicle, get into that taxi and send that number to friends or family members, will that safeguard you from being murdered? And that person said, well, if the person wants to murder you anyway because they're not right in the head, of course they will. And I said, you have a valid point, but that's not what I'm referring to. I'm saying, if you take down the license plate number of the person's car do you think that they will murder you, yes or no? And they said, well, if the person is sick in the head, of course they would, regardless of you taking down the number. And at the end of the day, like I explained to them, when that driver or passenger does not know you have texted a number to somebody else, that person has no idea that there is a record. And that is one of the reasons why when I give presentations, I also explain that you should take a photograph of the person's face and say I'm just taking a photograph of your face in case you traffic me even if the driver is your grandmother now I actually wanted to take a a picture of a person's face in Tobago and they refused to now what I can say is the reason that they may refuse is because they maybe are driving illegally without a license or they are not a licensed driver They have a driving license, but they are not a licensed taxi driver. At the same time, they may have committed some crime or infraction. At the same time, they may be concerned about their privacy. What I find fascinating is people are very concerned about their privacy. However, they're concerned about it, but not to the point where they will be taking photographs on social media, videos on social media, TikTok, etc., But when it comes to you getting into their vehicle, all of a sudden, privacy, privacy. Let's say that the driver refuses to drive you because you want a photograph of their face. Well, you can simply say to the driver, I respect what you're saying. I will not take a photograph of your face, but would you be willing to tell me your name? Can I see your ID so I can let my mother know I'm in the taxi of Mr. Leroy Smith, for example. The thing is, when you get into a vehicle, and you covertly or secretly take down the license plate number and send that out, that driver does not have any idea what you have done. I think a better or more realistic or more appropriate solution, for example, would be to get on the phone and to say to, the, to your friend or family member, I've just got into the vehicle of PH267, I am at the corner of Arapata Avenue and I will be home in 20 minutes. When you have made a voice recording or you have called and spoken to that family member, preferably with video call, then they know the vehicle you were in. They know where you left. They know your destination start. And the most important thing here is that they know that you have communicated this vocally and that the driver can hear this conversation taking place. If for some reason you do not have the facility to be able to call, you can only send a text, my recommendation is to make a voice note. Because when you make that voice note, if you happen to pass a Wi-Fi wifi spot, that message will send automatically. In addition, by you making that voice note, the driver has no idea it's a voice note, they would think you're speaking to another person or that you have internet, that your voice note is being sent. In other words, it's almost cloak and dagger. What you're doing there is you are communicating sufficiently so that the driver is in the know that your family knows you're in his vehicle. In other words, you have taken the necessary precautions to inform him indirectly. Maybe you don't have the boldness and the courage to say, I'm just sending my family the license plate number of your vehicle in case you traffic me. Maybe you're not like me. You're not going to say that. I would say that. And if he doesn't want to drive me, that is his problem, not mine. I will get into a vehicle of somebody who's willing to drive me, knowing that for my safety, I need to have a photograph of his face. When I get out of the vehicle, I will delete the photograph. Simple as, of course, I've already sent it. So if, God forbid, when I delete that photo as I step out of the vehicle and he drags me back inside to kidnap me, that photo has already been sent. Because when you delete that picture, you are going to press on WhatsApp, delete for me, not delete for everyone. If you press the delete for everyone, that means the receiver does not have that photograph. But I think what is a fantastic way of doing this in a covert way is to video call when you are on the phone having earphones if possible and as you have in the earphones you're holding the phone in front of you and you could be pretending to be messaging or texting but in fact you are videoing the driver's face without him knowing when you get into the vehicle you would have your little speech prepared Yes, Susan. Yes, Sheila. Yes, Harry. Whoever you're talking to. Yes, I'm in vehicle P2345 at Arapata Avenue. I'll be home in 20 minutes. Because you have secretly recorded his face, if anything happens to you, the police have a vehicle license plate as well as a face to go with. However, by you communicating verbally on the phone, I am convinced he would have second thoughts of doing anything to you because there is a trail. There is evidence. You got into the vehicle, you spoke to somebody. Even if you have to fake that phone call, that is really beside the point. At the end of the day, even when messages are deleted, they can often be recovered. So when you have sent a text, not a WhatsApp, with WhatsApp it's a little different. When you've sent a text... And that text is deleted. God forbid you were kidnapped, trafficked, murdered, or worse. That text message can often be retrieved. With WhatsApp, the message has not sent because there was no internet. Whether it can be retrieved, I'm not completely certain because it didn't actually send. But with a text message, I feel that that would indeed be able to be recovered because it's in your draft box, like with an email. You may delete an email from drafts. It will go in your deleted box. And so I believe there would be some form of evidence. So I'm saying we need to consider what steps can we take? Yes, we know what has happened. Yes, there is an outrage. There is an outcry. Yes, there's a lot of emotions. Tensions are high right now. But how can we learn from this situation? What can we do? Pepper spray, safety alarms, guns serve their purpose but can be used against you. Pulling an alarm. Who is going to respond to that alarm? What I think is more effective is to respond with the word fire. When you say fire, people will run. Or depending on what country you're in the world you're in, you could even go one step further and shout bomb. I know that's a terrible thing to do. But if your life is in danger, I'm sorry, you need to do whatever you can do so that somebody will intervene, so that somebody will protect you. If you cry rape, People are going to sadly keep on walking. Unfortunately, they do not want to get involved. But fire, bomb, terrorism, whatever you need to do to make sure you can be safe, to safeguard yourself, then you need to do that. Take those steps. Use wisdom. And beyond that, when you send that message, that phone call, text, WhatsApp, I think it's important to send it to more than one person because phones break, get destroyed, get lost, get stolen. And beyond that, send it to people who genuinely care about you. I'm not going to say send it to family members because some of us are families, don't even know where we are in the world. But send it to people who genuinely care about you, who are concerned about your well being. When you do that, God forbid something happens, they are not going to wait a week to report you missing. Because I was watching a documentary about a woman who went missing in a polygamous marriage. She was 16 meets a youth pastor, they begin a relationship and get married when she's 19. He was many years older. What I will say is that she was a child at the time they met. And him being a youth pastor, it sounds as though he took advantage of his position. When she went missing, it was a friend of hers who reported her missing, not her husband. Eventually, her husband came to the police and he said, I killed my wife. He did not call it murder. He said he killed her and refused to give any details because in the police's mind he was trying to build his defense. At the end of the day, you don't want to have somebody like him in your life. I don't mean a murder, of course not. I mean somebody who does not even admit that you're missing because of course he knows he murders you. You want to make sure you send the information to people who are close to you, who care about you, so that way as soon as they have not seen or heard from you in a short space of time... They're on high alert and they would go forward and communicate to the authorities. This is out of character. My friend is missing. Like someone said, they always go home at the time they have specified. No matter what day of the week when they have told somebody in the house, I'll be home at six, at ten, at seven, at eight, at three. Whenever they've communicated a the time, they always ensure that they get home before the time by being consistent that enables their family members to know something is wrong because they have consistency there are people who've gone missing the family says at six o'clock every day he would call when he doesn't call they can go to the police and the police can investigate immediately because it is out of character there is no requirement for any 24-hour window wait because this is not consistent for 10 years for 15 years for six months this has been a consistent pattern something isn't right There are also some apps that I think should be mentioned here, which are ones that you should consider utilizing, having on your phone, connecting with friends and family members so that way they know where you are. Circle of Six enables you to reach six friends. So for example, you need to get dropped home, you're stuck, you're in danger. Download the app Circle of Six and you put six friends or families onto this app. That way you're able to communicate with them at a moment's notice Life 360 Family Locator enables your family members to be able to locate where you are. It enables them to stay in contact with you irrespective of what is going on. They can use this app to locate you. Google, which is one that is very useful for those who maybe cycle or jog without taking their mobile phone. This allows you to put where you're going to cycle, where you're going to jog, the route you're taking, your due time to return home. And if you do not return at that said time, it will notify the friends and family that you have put in the app. Be safe. It turns on an alarm that is an audible alarm and it will begin to record. The recording is useful for the purposes of evidence and it will also act as a way to alert the individual that there is an alarm, so the alarm is alerting them in the sense of if they are trying to attack you, they're on alert, an alarm is going off, they're going to maybe reconsider that because people who are around will hear that alarm. SOS, you press the power button three times. It is a stay safe app that enables you to be able to communicate again with those friends and family members that have been stored in the app. It is also really important to consider whenever you go out particularly jogging, walking, etc. Doesn't matter what time of the day or night, to be aware of your surroundings. That means do not have earphones in your ear. What I think might be a better alternative is to use loudspeaker. So if you have a phone or a device, a musical device, have it on loudspeaker. Put it in your pocket, hold it in your hand, whatever, rather than in your ears, which is blocking out the sounds around you. And even another thing that I would suggest is when you go out and about, to also consider for example that you do not use the same route i'm not making reference to just jogging alone just exercising i'm actually referring to on your way to work on your way to school or college on your way to university i'm saying when you have a consistent pattern you can be watched or stalked etc no matter the fact that there is consistency in your life you have work school college Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, that is consistent, but your means to get there should not be consistent. Take different routes at different times. Leave early on a Monday, leave later on a Tuesday, leave early on a Wednesday. Allow yourself to always have sufficient time that you're never late for work. Of course, time is not going to wait for anybody. So it's not about being late for work. That is a lack of wisdom and that is unprofessional. It's about making sure that you are not predictable, that you're not able to be followed and, God forbid, kidnapped, trafficked, or worse, murdered. So have the consistency of your work, school, and college, but the inconsistency of how you get there. This is something you should consider and think about because having a pattern is what makes you vulnerable. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret?, I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's Changing dot org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world, you just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Deep inside, and I wanna talk about-